Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherwood here with you. Monday, September 27th. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring this first portion of the podcast. Got a big podcast to get to today. Uh, Forgive my voice a little bit. I went to the game this past Saturday. A great time was had by all. It was a sad result for the game. And uh, I'll say sad because a lot of disappointed people. It was a disappointed loss, disappointing loss. Um, That's one the Gamecocks may look back on and say, man, you know, that, that one was something that you know, should not have happened. Uh, you know, credit Kentucky, they played well. In the final was 16 to 10, in case you guys didn't know, um, well enough uh, defensively to win the football game. And, uh, you know, it was one where it was kind of a mystery. You know, how does South Carolina get the ball to start the second half? They go right down the field. You start thinking, well, adjustments have been made. Uh, Kentucky's defense really going into the game. I said all week, I didn't think it was as good as it has been, but boy, they looked really good against South Carolina. Um, 58 rushing yards. We're not going to cut it. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the offense. I've got some ideas. Uh, I'm a pod podcast host. Remember that and a website owner. I am not a, you know, I think I'm pretty good at personnel, you know, player evaluations, but I'm not a scheme guy at all. So, you know, I may be wrong, you know, as to how they could possibly fix some things uh, and get this offense going in the right direction. But we're going to talk about that in a second. You know, first, I want to talk about the defense. Defense gave up too many rushing yards. I mean, 230 is a big day on the ground. Chris Rodriguez uh, was outstanding. That was one of the keys to the game to stop him. He had another big day against the Gamecocks. Probably happy to see that guy go. <laughs> Kavosky Smoke also was really big for them. And then Will Levi's got some yardage on the ground. But when you force three turnovers and you don't turn the ball over, if you'd have told me that before the game and you'd have told me Kentucky would be held to only a touchdown on the first drive, I would have told you I thought the Gamecocks would have won. 
because for the life of me, I did I would I would not have expected that kind of offensive performance at home, that many mistakes in critical situations, uh, and that many uh, you know that many missed opportunities. Quite frankly, I mean, you, you just you miss your opportunities. You're inside their territory a bunch, and you can't make it happen. Touchdown wise, field goal wise, whatever. Uh, you know, credit Parker White with hitting a fifty-four yarder. I didn't expect that to happen, but he did. I guess uh, his leg, you know, has always had the leg to get it there, but it was nice and uh, a nice, accurate kick. So, congratulations to Parker White. He's he's really kicking it well this year. If you look, if you're looking for a bright spot, uh, Parker White's doing a really good job. Uh, but and that kept them in the game. But then, you know, by that point, the defense was just, you know, what Kentucky's going to do in that situation? They're going to line up with their backs and run it. And I think it was really hard to expect the defense to come up with one more stop. And I think Shane Beamer knows that. Talked about the defense playing their butts off, gave them a chance to win, and it didn't didn't happen. And another frustrating loss to these guys. You know, it's not like Kentucky, with the exception of last year, and I've mentioned last year. I'm going to stop talking about last year's Kentucky game, um, but uh, and why you shouldn't put a lot into it. I mean, this game's normally competitive, and it's always one where you look at it and go, "God, missed opportunities for the Gamecocks." I remember Muschamp's first year. You know, Rashad Fenton had a touchdown on a punt return called back. They lost seventeen to ten with no offense at all. This year's offense probably is a little you know, a little worse uh, in this game because with the exception of one drive, you know, they, they just couldn't get very far. Um, one drive to start the second half, and then for whatever reason, they got away from what they were doing in that drive. I don't know if Kentucky adjusted or, or what. Like I said, I'm not a coach, but, you know, it was disappointing because I, I thought Doty was getting into a rhythm. You know, you saw some different types of pass plays. They targeted the tight end. Nick Muse, uh, you can kind of tell Nick Muse wants the football more. I mean, the guy called 30 passes last year. He's rarely targeted. But he got down the field good. Big 25-yard game to set it up. Beautiful play call, by the way, on the touchdown. I mean, that was was a good one. But after that, it was just struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle. The fourth down pass to Karen Joyner wasn't even close. There was a guy open on that play. Um but anyway, get to the offense in a sec. Talking about the defense. You know, I, I, I think it, while we all kind of looked at it over the course of the season and thought, well, or the offseason thought Jalen Foster, you know, was maybe going to be like a, a guy that started out as the starter and got beat out or whatever. He, he's still playing well. I mean, good interception getting back there kind of reminded me of that play Bryson Williams made against Clemson in 2013 early uh, and got the Gamecocks, you know, out of a jam. Um, although Kentucky wasn't knocking on the door or anything, it, it you know gave them the ball back, allowed them to get some momentum. You know, if I have a criticism of the defense, it's you know sometimes you can't allow the other team to respond. That happened a lot under the previous era regime. Hasn't happened a whole lot this year, but you know you score and then you can't get the ball back. Feel, but they held them to field goals, and I, I think we all know from watching football over the years that you know you hold a team to field goals instead of touchdowns. As long as you're competent on offense and scoring touchdowns, I mean, you could have a chance to win every game. The Gamecocks were in this one. I mean, they, they, it was really disappointing to see the offense go back in a shell uh, after, you know, getting the momentum to start the second half. I mean, quickly, the game was right down the field, right down the field. Never saw it again. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, back to the defense, if, if there was a criticism, I had too many rushing yards, too many key drives. Um, I can't sit there and um, complain, you know, uh, about them not getting the final stop because at that point, you know, they're probably worn out. You know, you got a big physical Kentucky football team and probably worn out. So, and uh, so another disappointing loss to Kentucky. Uh, unfortunately, this is not new. Mark Stoops is now seven and two against the Gamecocks. Um, and they've taken three of four in Columbia. So, geez, man, it's just uh, uh, it's a struggle. It's been a struggle against those guys. Uh, and all that. So now I'll turn the page to the offense. Um, and, you know, yes, it's been a struggle against Kentucky historically, especially in the recent history. But look, man, this year's offense, it, it, something's got to change. Uh, and like I said, I got some ideas as to what they could maybe do. Um, and I've got a boatload of Marcus Satterfield questions uh, in the in, in the uh, mailbag today that I help consulting mailbag. So offense, I, I, you got outrushed. I mean, it said all week, got to run the ball, stop the run. You get outrushed 230 to 58. 58, folks. 12 carries, 38 yards. Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd only touched, touched the ball once. Juju McDowell had one good run early. Uh, struggled a little in pass pro. Does a Quandre White didn't even touch the football? You know, I, I don't know. I know you can't play four, but you got to figure out kind of. You know, I, I, I guess how to get the ball to some of these guys that are explosive. And, you know, so so I look at this offense and there's a lot of tight formations, a lot of bunch formations. Those are those are popular and modern, especially in the NFL. Uh, and some teams can pull those off. Alabama under Starkeesian used a bunch of those types of things. South Carolina right now is just not equipped to do it. Uh, the offensive line, which should be better than what it is. Uh, if you keep in mind, all those guys were recruited for a spread system, so it kind of makes sense. They'd be better at spread blocking. They're athletic, all that good stuff. Uh, but they, you know, that you get a bunch of guys up there all around the football, and those guys just they, they, they can't do it right now so far through four games. You, you can objectively look and say, these guys cannot execute what you are trying to run. All right, that's the bottom line. So, so the, the the question is, what do you do about it? Now, look, I'll say this: it, it seems like Satterfield's been running zone inside zone or an inside run play on first down every single time. Our Ben Briner, uh, who writes for us, uh, who used to be with the state, does some special uh, stuff uh, for us, breaking down the film and things like that. He says it's not true. Eleven care, eleven runs on first down, ten passes. And so, and I don't know whether it was first half or, or whatever. So, we'll see. So that was that was according to his track. I haven't gone back and looked. I mean, it, it, it the, the inside zone, okay. And if that's assuming that's what they're running, because like I said, I'm not smart enough to sit there and dissect everything or power runs stuff like that. that I see it because I watch the NFL all the time. Um, on Sundays, didn't get a chance to this path, but thank gosh, I didn't get that. I didn't have to watch the Chicago Bears play. You talk about bad offense, but I watched them a lot because, you know, for obvious reasons, I watched the Falcons. And, and I've noticed that, you know, you get too addicted to that inside zone. 
I mean, it, it, that happened here under Kurt Roper. My goodness. And I'm not comparing Roper to Satterfield yet. I think the issues are a little bit different. Um, and, you know, honestly, uh, Roper got off to a bad start on offense, so they changed quarterbacks. But if you look at Bentley's first couple of games with Roper calling the plays in 2016, it wasn't bad. You know, they got the ball to their playmakers and, and all that. Um, and I think South Carolina is fundamentally struggling right now to get their ball, get the ball to the playmakers. I mean, you saw Jaheim Bell get his bell rung the other night, no pun intended, on the on a really beautiful pass from Doty, but he had some covers there, got knocked, you know, and dropped the ball. But you can kind of see that guy when he gets the ball, and I've been harping on this, and I don't, I don't know that getting the ball to Jaheim Bell more is the answer to the offense or not, but that guy could be a weapon for you. And right now he's a blocker primarily because they're in those tight bunch formations. And you got to get hat on a hat with some people. There's assignments. It's just too freaking, you know, it's it's chaotic, you know, to sit there and, and, and with everybody there, you know, on the inside. So I think what the game cost should do, and I'm sure they have these, this, this, these types of formations in the playbook. I mean, we've heard all about how Joe Brady and Lincoln Riley would – you know, be influential on this offense. Um, spread it out, man. Spread it out. I mean, EJ Jenkins had a catch the other night, a critical one. Looked good doing it. Get him out there. You know, get Bell out there matched up. Uh, Van's playing well. Jalen Brooks, I've heard all kinds of opinions about him today. He just needs to quit dropping the ball. He's good enough. He just needs to quit dropping the ball. Stop dropping the ball. <laughs> You're on scholarship. You know, and, and the problem there is going to be this. If he doesn't quit dropping the ball, it's just going to be – I call it the James Atkinson effect. Y'all remember you remember him from the Holtz era? Six-five receiver could run like a deer. Uh, dropped the ball a lot in critical situations. Uh, and Jalen on the fourth down should have had that. It wasn't an easy catch, but he should have had it. You know, you, if, you, if you have designs on playing football beyond South Carolina um, – you can't keep dropping the ball. You know, that's the bottom line. We've unfortunately we've seen it with a lot of receivers at Carolina. I mean, I almost hate to talk about it because it's it's just like, you know, it's one of those things that becomes mental over time. And Jalen Brooks has to reverse that. Okay. He's good enough athletically to have a bunch of catches and to score touchdowns and to to be good. Okay. Bottom line, no excuse for him not to be. Um, and look, people can talk about quarterbacking all they want, and that's fine. And uh, I'll tell you this, Luke Doty missed some open receivers. Uh, the pass to uh, to uh, DeCarian Joyner that was short, I think that somebody was open on a corner route, uh, wide open, maybe could have been a touchdown. Uh, and so it just didn't happen. And, and, and But guys are going to miss open receivers, especially young quarterbacks especially young quarterbacks that are running for their lives. I actually think the passing game, to a certain extent, has been better than we think. You know, I think it's been effective to the point where if the Gamecocks could find a way to run it, this offense would actually take off and be good. Um, Maybe not 500 yards a game good, uh, maybe not 45 points a game good, but well, good enough to where the Gamecocks could win games 
by scoring enough points and getting enough offense and then, you know, having good days on defense like they did for the most part on Saturday. You force three turnovers, man. Your turnover margin is three nothing. Three nothing. And you lose at home. That's tough. That's tough. Um, so I think they need to spread spread it out. I think that spreading it out and then either throwing it or running it out of that formation is something that, you know, could work. And I say that because, you know, when you got a bunch of defenders crowd, crowded around the line of scrimmage and all four teams have played the Gamecocks the same way, you know, and you got good backs, but your offensive line and your blocking scheme is getting overwhelmed. Historically, in football, that's what teams do. You know, whether that's doing it over an offseason and saying, all right, well, we're going to – you remember Coach Holtz, 1999, which is through four games, probably the last time this offense was as anemic as it is. Uh, you know, remember Coach Holtz, he, after 99, he gave the offense over to Skip and said, all right, what Skip did was simply spread it out. He spread it out and ran it, spread it out and threw it. Everybody was happy. You know, I, you know, that that's just my thing. I, I think that even when you pass, like let's say they decided to pass to set up the run, and there are passing plays to be had. As long as teams continue to play the Gamecocks like this, there's gonna be there's gonna be a bit, there's gonna be chances down the field. You know, you just gotta take advantage of it, or you gotta just keep doing it to make them pay. And so uh, you know, I, here's the thing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's like you know, if you pass it out of the formations they're using where everybody's around a lot of scrimmage, that, that, you know, people have beelines to the quarterback, that kind of thing. What you do is you spread it out. You take people out of the box, you know, take, you know, force them to defend the entire field. And then maybe you get a little more room for Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell and all that, you know, because they're running in traffic right now, guys. I'm not, now I'm not saying if you spread a defense out, they're never going to get pressure. Because they are, inevitably. It's the SEC. You play great defensive linemen. It's not like they're never going to get pressure on the quarterback. It's not like they're never going to get stuffed. But right now, you kind of look at it, and it's like there's just nowhere to run. You know, song, nowhere to run to, that kind of thing. Nowhere to run. Um, And, look, we, we could talk about Doty missing receivers. We talk about the drops. Those are all bad things. Uh, we can talk about the play calling all we want. Um, and I honestly can't sit here after four games and say it's been good. Uh, you know, I, I'll say that I'm still kind of toward the I don't know end of it. Just because if you can't get things off, how do you know that it's not a, you know, that the play on and didn't going to work? That said, just about every play that's called is designed to work and score. It's about execution and making making the actual plays. Uh, and in play calling, it's true that it's all designed that way, but you got to know what to call when and get in a rhythm with it. And I just don't see any rhythm now, whether that's because there's no protection, nobody's running, whatever, that's fine. Um, you know, I don't know if it's unimaginative or not. Uh, I know that, like I said, what I would do is spread it out. And then if you want to still run inside zone, just hope that it works. If not, you know, if they're going to stay bunched up, the gamers need to run to the outside. They need to kind of get some different things going. There's just too many people. 
crowded around the lines of scrimmage, in my opinion. Um, like I said, not a coach. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would spread these guys out. I would just say, like, just go four wide, five wide. You know, you, you, you know maybe not five wide, but you got, um, you know, you, you've got, like I said, some pass catching tight ends that can get out there uh, in the slot and play. You've got receivers like Josh Van that are playing better than we thought. Uh, you know, EJ Jenkins, if he if he was playing some receiver the other night, I think that guy, I thought the catch was big for him because I guess his, gets his feet wet. He can get back. There was a Rico Power sighting. Um, you know, Carolina, Amorian Brown, I don't know where he's at, you know, right now, what's been going on with him, but that's a guy that can take a top off of defense. Nick Muse, beautiful catch and run. I've mentioned Bell. I don't know where Kevion Mullins has been. Uh, even Eric Shaw is a guy that, you know, can help them catch passes. So you've got depth there. You can slide Juju McDowell out there. I mean, I just, you know, again, I'll get back to the Holtz thing. You know, what they do with Ryan Brewer? They put him in the slot. Oh, I couldn't Juju McDowell do the same thing. And I reject the notion, and, and I know we're going to hear this, that, oh, they're building. But I, I reject that notion because your building process is going to be a lot quicker <laughs> if you if you play like you're capable of playing and and look whether that's look they went four to eight and played their best they went eight and four and played their best and I'm not putting a number on it I'm just saying these guys aren't playing their best because we've seen it you know we've seen Kevin Harris pile up yards now granted like I've been preaching that was in a year where nobody played defense man <laughs> You know, so maybe he's a little fool's gold, but uh, he's still a heck of a back. Marshawn Lloyd, I'm convinced, is a heck of a back. Juju McDowell is a heck of a back. And so Quandre White is a good back as well. You know, in in the, in the Eastern Illinois game, I think that's a Quandre, the ball in a lot of different ways. Where was that? You know, um, I just don't think you can depend on the downfield passes to Josh Van and Jalen Brooks and have an effective offense. Uh, you have to be able to run the ball. And if that's going to be your offense, let's just call it like it is and get out there and just chuck it all over the yard and just be like, hey, you know, this is this is who we are. Backs be damned. Run it for respect, sort of like June Jones used to do, Jerry Glanville with the Falcons. Um, I don't think that's a good idea at all, but – I, I think, honestly, man, you know, there are too many people around the line uh, of scrimmage. I, I think there's a reason, you know, those formations work with certain teams. Uh, I think that there's also a reason why, you know, a lot of teams spread it out. And, again, you go watch Joe Brady or Lincoln Riley, they're spreading the field. You know, at Oklahoma, you know, sure, they were a little short on receivers one year, so they played their age back in the slot. I mean, what where is that? You know, they spread you out. That's kind of been a trend in football for 21 years. And I don't think it's going back to tight formations. Do you guys? Again, like, there's nothing wrong with running those things. And there's nothing wrong with having that in your arsenal. But you got to look at it like, hey, <laughs> you know, there are too many guys around. I mean, Steve Spurrier, same thing, you know. Right? Too many guys around the line of scratch. Spread them out. Because they have to account 
for those the, the 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 offensive players. You know, so you're taking guys out of the box. That would be the first thing I would do. I would look and see what's in the playbook formationally. You know, where we can get our guys out in space. You know, because you got playmakers, get them in ball in space, they can make things individually happen. Um, yeah, and I don't think the game costs are loaded with playmakers, but I think there's a hell of a lot more than last year. And even last year, they'd spread guys out, they'd spread teams out, get the ball to Shy Smith or whatever. You know, so, so I, I, I honestly believe number one, that is a key to fixing the offense. I also think, you know, if you're only going to get a half yard every time you run inside zone or whatever inside running play they're running, you got to do something different. Whether that's a rollout pass, whether that's a bootleg, whether that's – I don't know what that is. But you can't just waste plays like that, I mean, I, I think, in my opinion. Now, you don't want to get behind the chains, so you don't want to give up a sack. I agree with that. But, man, oh, man, you know, in every – I wouldn't say anything about it or I wouldn't be as adamant about it if, if, if we hadn't seen four games, that's a third of the season, and what teams are doing to defend South Carolina, which is amazing because you know, they didn't have any film on this. this. I think everybody watched the Eastern Illinois tape and was like, yep, that's what we need to do. So <laughs> I'm like, man, so it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's crazy. So – you know, th- that's the thing. And anytime you get outrushed by almost 200 yards, you're probably going to lose. Uh, now, if you get three turnovers and you're winning the turnover battle three nothing, sometimes you're going to win. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they need to do to be able to run the ball better. Like I said, my idea is to spread out defenses a little more because there's too many daggum people around the line of scrimmage. That's obvious to anybody. Uh, they have to have it in the playbook, honestly. If they, I mean, they have to have some formations like that because. You're getting four or five wide on a you know, two-minute drill or whatever. You know, you're not necessarily going under center all the time. I mean, you're shotgunning it up, spread out, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, if you want to max protect sometimes, do that. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just try to spread it and run it um, and, and see if that wouldn't work. Because there's just no room. There's no room right now, guys. Just no room. Now, defenders are bigger and faster than they used to be. So, you know, I don't know that you're going to shock anybody by doing that. But right now, it's a, it seems to me like it's a numbers game. They're just outnumbering the Gamecocks. Then you got one missed block. Again, I think the offensive line still looks confused. You know, Shane Beamer was talking on the teleconference. Oh, well, this one play, we just blocked this here and that. You know, he was supposed to do this and that. You know, we hear that. We've heard that every week. Well, well, what's going on? I mean, why is this so difficult to do? Um, and look, I'm not going to call for anybody to be fired. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, like I said last week, if it's bad on offense, you can't wait around to make a move at the end of the season. You know, if this happens the whole season, you know, you can't let, you know, a bad plan sink your ship. And we'll see if it's a bad plan or not. I'll say this, if anybody's expecting a mid-season change, I would be surprised just because Beamer, you know, he's a consistency guy, positive energy guy. You know, I think Marcus Satterfield, Greg Atkins, whoever's response, they're going to get every chance they can to fix it. Because I think at this point it needs to be fixed. You know, you can, you can wait around and say, ah, oh, East Carolina first road games have Nolan started. Ah, oh, Doty was thrown in a bad situation at Georgia. And all those things are true. But 
the bottom line is against FBS competition, not Power 5, FBS. So East Carolina, Georgia, and Kentucky. This offense has been good for a touchdown a game. One touchdown. Hmm. That's not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it. So something has to change. And uh, my really, you know, uneducated, I don't say uneducated, but uh, my 10,000 foot opinion is they need to spread it out and try to run it because there's too many daggum people up around the line of scrimmage in the box, whatever, however you want to call it. And I don't know that they're good enough in the passing game to just make people pay over and over and over again for loading the box. You know, right now the passing game has been good enough, I think, uh, but they're not able to run the ball. So, you know, if you can't run the football, you know, that limits your passing game. And it limits the, you know, ability to sustain drives. It limits the ability to get first downs. It puts your defense back out on the field. I mean, being able to run the ball is a very, very key part uh, of winning football games. And um, right now, you know, you look at South Carolina and their personnel, you know, they're not really equipped to throw it all over the yard. Okay. And, and, and make teams pay for doing that. So what happened, what has to happen is they got to find a way to run the football. The anemic rushing totals cannot continue that that's just not, something that uh, is a recipe for success. And I'm not just talking about when they get in the second half of the season. I'm talking about Troy starting this weekend. Troy's got a pretty good defense. They're struggling to score points a lot like the Gamecocks are. They got pretty good defense. And they're coming in there at 3.30 in the afternoon on Saturday uh, looking for a win. Uh, and Vanderbilt, although they got the britches beat off of them by Georgia, uh, you know, they showed some signs of life against Stanford they beat Colorado State. You know, they're not as bad as they were when they lost to East Tennessee State, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but Troy Vandy, you know, the, those games are in question if you can't run the ball and you're only good for one touchdown a game on offense. Because that means you're relying on something that normally does not happen or kicking a bunch of field goals, uh, like a defensive touchdown or a blocked punt or whatever. So, if you're South Carolina, you know, and Shane Beamer, Marcus Satterfield, Justin Stepp, Eric Kimry, Greg Atkins, Montario Hardesty, that offensive staff, you get it. You need to get in there and say, all right, how do we get these guys out of the box? You know, is, is it is it chunking it more often down the field, which I hope is not the solution. I just I just don't think that'd be a good idea. Is it uh, spreading them out? Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, still not a fan of the huddle. I think the huddle allows the – it doesn't give the offense enough time to adjust. It doesn't allow the defense to – I mean, it allows the defense to sit there and kind of figure out what you're doing and adjust, and they kind of dictate. Um, you know, it's crazy because all the offense played with good tempo first part of the second half. Man, maybe they did huddle on that drive. But, I mean, it op, there's operational issues, too. And, and that, that was surprising because, like, when you watch the spring game, you couldn't – and this is why you don't put a whole lot of uh, emphasis on the spring game. Uh, Gamecocks lined up against the Carolina defense, just ran it right down their throat over and over and over again. Uh, of course, the defense was playing base defense. <laughs> so that showed you nothing. Uh, and, you know, but in the spring game, I thought the operational aspects of it, there are a lot of, not a lot of penalties. People got in the right play. Play calls made sense, even though it was vanilla. Um, 
But, you know, so far this year against other teams, uh, it just just hadn't worked. And so, you know, if something's not working, you're far enough along in the season to say, say, well, change needs to be made. Uh, And like I said, I'm not – I would never sit here after four games and say fire this person or that person. That's just not me. Now, do I think that if the season goes along and this offense remains historically bad, that South Carolina and Shane Beamer don't need to really take a long look at it at what they're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you don't get better on offense, you're not winning very many games for the remainder of the year. That's a fact. And so if you have a disastrous first season, you know, and, and your offense doesn't go very far, when it when it should have. I mean, you know, you, you're kind of looking at some changes. That's I mean, just the bottom line. So I don't think that it's, uh, it's it's one of those things that we can just sit here and say, oh, it's all hunky-dory. Uh, you know, let's just sunshine and rainbow it up and and believe. I mean, we all need to believe, no doubt. You got to believe for improvement. You got to believe for better, better days ahead. You got to believe that one day, you know, Carolina can turn the Kentucky series again. And that was the first one, you know, Tennessee and, and uh, Missouri are still out there for Beamer to get. But they're not winning those games on the road if they can't get better on offense. And the key to getting better on offense is being able to run the football. You know, there are just too many good backs on this roster, you know, and, and I know there's not a single offensive lineman that deserves praise right now at all on the team. But we've seen those guys do it. You know, and you got to make plays. I mean, you know, if, if you're the players, it's not the, – the players are not without, you know, criticism here. Uh, you know, like late in that game, drop passes, missed blocks, that kind of thing. You know, that's on the ball players. But I, I, I just think this, you know, you players can do whatever. I think when you look at it, South Carolina needs to find a way. And my opinion is, you know, spread everybody out and run it. Because they're just – there's too many people around the lines of scrimmage. So, um, so that, that's the bottom line for me there. You, you got to get that done uh, quickly. So, all right, let's talk about uh, the mailbag because this mailbag is going to be amazing. <laughs> Uh, as always, it's sponsored by iHelp Consulting, Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mis- mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Uh, so Daniel Owens, a good friend of mine, he can help you at iHelp, 843-372-5713 or iHelpConsulting.com. You schedule your free consultation. He's giving half off right now if you mentioned the podcast. Uh, and you may be thinking, well, I don't want to pay a consultant because I may pay him four grand. And then I only save three. Well, that's not how their business works. Uh, they only take a percentage of the savings. Plus, you get 50% off of that right now. They do credit card processing, insurance, internet service. Um, you know, Heritage Digital will is a one-stop solution for your network at business so it doesn't crash and all that. These guys will help you save money on the actual, like, uh, Time Warner Cable in Columbia, Comcast, those guys. Uh, help you find the best deal without sacrificing quality uh, and for, with all those aspects of your business. You want it, you need it, you need to save money, but you can't sacrifice the quality. And Daniel can help you with that. Plus, if Daniel can't help you save any money, 
He's not charging you a dime. So there's no risk. 843-372-5713. IHelpConsulting.com. IHelpConsulting. How can I help you? Please tell him that JC sent you. All right. So the mailbag. And here we go. Spencer. Spencer's got two emails. He said, I want to clear some things up for you and your listeners who think I'm going negative. Um, and he predicted a 28-13 Gamecock victory. I said I wasn't going to read any uh, – wouldn't read any that I got before, before Kentucky, but uh, Spence is cool, so here we go. Uh, you've never heard or hear me see or diss or criticize Gamecock players because I have three kids at Carolina, 21, 19, 18, plus my wife and I are alums. Congratulations. That's a lot of money, Spence. You're forking out to the University of South Carolina. Boy, woo. So I'm quite aware and experienced with young adults and how it's a process with young people and coaching and love is required. That said, these coaches who are all in the top 1.3% of the earners in this country are totally free to receive feedback, both negative and positive. Plus, many are arrogant. These are big boy jobs and wins are required. I'm telling you what I've seen on the field the last three games is undisciplined play and lack of cohesion. Sorry if that makes people uncomfortable. He said on the offensive side of the ball, some of the fans never see the truth. The worst lies are the ones you tell yourself. Um, all right, Spence. Uh, you know, I, look, I agree. It's good that you don't criticize players. Uh, the player criticism is so there's some people that never want any, anything bad to say about any college player ever because ever, they're amateur athletes or whatnot. And I get that. And that's fine. Um, I, I think some criticism – is a little bit uh, warranted, maybe. Um, I think some criticism gets way over the top and toxic, especially when it comes to quarterbacks at the University of South Carolina and elsewhere. Spencer Rattler thing, you know, at Oklahoma this weekend, they struggled to beat West Virginia 16-13. And um, they're calling for the true freshman, Caleb Williams, to come in. And I'm like, you know, (sighs) Spencer Rattler – I've never been like a huge Spencer Rattler guy, but I think Lincoln Riley has earned the right to play whatever the hell quarterback he wants to play, given his track record. (laughs) And so if it's Rattler, roll with it. Uh, But I I think the quarterback position gets outsized attention, and it always has in football. It's the most important position on the field. But I think – I think it gets outsized attention because people treat him like starting pitchers. Uh, this guy's on the mound. He's a bum. We're not going to win in baseball. And pitching does have a lot to do with winning and losing in baseball. But and that, it's probably more so than quarterbacks, uh, you know, because a lot of a lot a quarterback can play a great game and a lot can go wrong. So uh, I think it gets a little toxic there. I've noticed it at Carolina. I've noticed it at other schools. But um, you know, I, I'll I'll say this. I think that. Uh, you know, I, I admire that. I also understand top one to three percent of all earners in this country. I understand the money's there, and that's what makes coaching such a pressure cooker these days. Is the money to whom much is given, much is expected. Now, firing people after three or four or five games, six games, seven games—no, that's just not. Uh, that's not a six a, a recipe for success. Regardless of how much money the coaches are making, that's not a recipe for success in football because you have constant turnover. You're never getting anything right. So thanks for the email, Spence. 
Duncan checking in from Rome, Italy. Congratulations. That's a beautiful place. What grades would you assign the coordinators and position coaches so far this year? Duncan. Uh, and he's here in the I Help Consulting inbox mailbag. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, by the way. I'm not going to grade them right now. Um, I, not individually position coaches. Uh, I'm going to say, though, the offense has been a D. And I'd give the defense a B plus. Just overall. So, so there you go with that. Uh, and thanks. Thanks for checking in from Rome, my friend. Um, all right, Noah. I'm hyped to be back at Williams-Brice Stadium for the first while, time in a while this weekend. My question is, what's the best game day atmosphere you've experienced at Williams-Brice? I've got sort of an underrated one. It was a noon kickoff for Florida Spurrier's first year. And, you know, start to finish, the place was loud and – engaged and exciting and you just wouldn't expect that in a noon kickoff now you know i was at the 2013 clemson game that was a wild atmosphere uh a lot of those crowds are in the spur era like i wasn't at the georgia game or the alabama game uh the georgia 35-7 win and bama in 2010 i was so nervous about that bama game because it was just such a tremendous opportunity and one of my friends on the staff had said prior that summer, it was like, our kids aren't scared of Alabama. Because the previous year, Gamecocks went into Tuscaloosa, and they couldn't stop the Wildcat. But they ended up, uh, it was 13-6 to late. I think somebody dropped a touchdown. I don't remember who exactly. But uh, Carolina had their shot at that. So the next year, uh, but I was like, you know, I'd, me and my ex-wife went to Vegas that weekend. Because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, you know. Uh, and so anyway, Carolina won. I ended up, ended up uh, enjoying the game from Las Vegas, enjoying the rest of my day. Uh, so, so some of the bigger atmospheres I have not been. And then, you know, pregame, though, I mean, you know, like how about the 2001 Florida game? My gosh, the, it was a blackout. Uh, that, oh, that, that The pregame was unbelievable. So – but yeah, when I think of those, you know, I think I think back to that Florida game. You know, Urban Meyer brought it in with Steve Spurrier. A lot of Gators there. It's the first Spurrier versus Florida. Gamecocks won. They only threw seventeen passes. Here you go. Got to run the ball right, and um, won the game. Beat Florida for the first time as an SEC member, and it was Spurrier doing it against Meyer. So, and that that it was loud start to finish. Bright sunny day in November. So that that's my personal one right there. Thanks, Noah. Tristan, how'd you get in the recruiting business? Seems like such an awesome job. Thanks, Tristan. I uh, was in newspapers and I went and work at rivals.com. Bobby Burton, Shannon Terry, Chris Wallace hired me up there and you know, in the office, we I had to move to Nashville or work in the office. And I was originally going in as kind of an editor and then we just started talking football, and they're like, hey, you're pretty good at this stuff. You got a knack for it. Next thing you know, I was an analyst going around the country, and then I went to work for ESPN, and, uh, then worked for 24-7 sports for a long time. Um, I miss those days, being on the road sometimes, but then sometimes I don't. As I've gotten older, that's a burnout job in a lot of ways because you go, you know, I guess – all around the country to see players. And, and these days, 
recruiting gets wild and crazy and there's all these stories and it's, you know, when you get older, you kind of get like, get off my lawn a little bit. And, um, (laughs) I think I've gotten to that point. I'm just like, eh, that kind of thing. Dre said, no question, just comment. I want to thank you for the take on the enforcement of the mask. In short, it convinced me to go ahead and snag a ticket. I literally bought my ticket when I finished the episode. And the off chance we cross paths in the game, I'll happily stand in line for 45 minutes at concessions to grab you a beer. Yeah, Dre, I didn't touch those beer lines, man. I don't know. I don't know what they need to do there. I mean, I don't know if they're just trying to be more conservative with it, not so people don't get drunk, but, I, you know, there's the beer lines. I mean, I've never you – know, I've been to concerts all over the place and pro events and college events. I've never seen anything like that. I was in East Upper, though, so maybe that's, that's part of where I was at. But, um, Dre, I'm glad I convinced you to go. I mean, that's that's good, and the mask thing really was a non-issue. I saw some people with them on. Nobody said anything to them. I saw some people without them. Nobody said anything to them. Nobody cared. Um, and that's good. So I, uh, you know, I, I feel like that was something that, you know, got public. And so there's a concern that the, the, the folks that, you know, they don't want to wear a mask or whatever, there's a concern that they're going to make you wear it or whatever, but it was not enforced. They didn't, Columbia doesn't have the capability of doing that. The fire marshal has to endorse it or enforce it. So it didn't happen. I had one in my pocket just in case. I didn't want any trouble. You know, I wanted to watch the game. So that was the deal there. But uh, thanks, Dre. And again, Dre sent that in before. Uh, Spencer says Roper 2.0. You convinced now. No, I actually think Roper did a better job so far. Like if you if you compare, like, I don't think it's fair to compare what Roper did the first few games when he finally got Jake in there quarterback, which was probably the move they should have made to begin with. And Debo got healthy and they Dowdle got healthy. You know, the offense did well. I mean, look, you can't get much worse than one touchdown a game in three games against FBS opponents. And that, that means your offense is putting together one drive a game. Now they've been dry actual drives. They haven't been, um, I don't think they've, gotten it in good field position with a short field. They did that. They got they had good field position Saturday night, couldn't do anything with it. But uh, anyway, Isaiah chimes in inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. He says, hey, JC, hope you're doing well. I've been better. I've been worse. Voice is a little scratchy right now. But uh, – and that's a quick travel. I mean, by the way, I flew a – what, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big Southwest Airlines guy, right? And if Southwest wants me to sit here and talk great about them, they can pay me, you know. But uh, we got cheaper tickets flying on American. or ele- Let's just say a legacy carrier. All right, I've already mentioned it. So, And these are the guys, of course, that merge with US Air. So we're sitting there. We're on time, going into Charlotte, had the car set up in Charlotte. You know, four hours later, <laughs> we haven't left yet. And, you know, it, it was just a, it was a mess. It was a mess. Now the flight back was fine, but uh, I'm not a big fan of the Charlotte airport, not a big fan of O'Hare. And so I guess that's my own dang fault, but uh, 
Yeah, it's a bit better, been worse. Uh, it's kind of a it was a taxing trip, but boy, I enjoyed Saturday so much. And just want to thank all my friends that I got to see uh, that took the time to stop by. You know, JB and Goldwater, JB from JB and Goldwater stopped by. My buddy Rod was a gracious host for the tailgate. Um, just can't uh, can't stress that enough. I know that for some of you, I missed seeing some of you, and I apologize for that the situation where the, the people that were with me didn't show up till late. And then we just kind of had to make a judgment call on it, but uh, I'll catch you next time. How about that? Uh, Isaiah says, just want to say it was hard to watch the offense play versus versus Kentucky. Honestly, I feel like we have a team that can win some games right now, but at the same time, it seems like the offense is holding us back from doing that. At the same time, we are in the rebuilding stage or are we, I definitely believe we could have won at least six games this year, but not sure about that right now. No, I, I agree with you. I, I don't – you know, I, I don't think there's any excuse for the offense. Not, I mean, I thought at the very – we everybody did. We all did. Even like Spence or, or even the people that weren't on the Beamer bandwagon, which there's a, there's a handful, you know, not really. Beamer's got a lot more support than Muschamp ever did. But even the handful of people not on the Beamer bandwagon, they hated the Satterfield hire because, they, you know, it was a mystery. Anytime there's a mystery and you can't point to – you know, numerical evidence or whatever. Some people are just going to be hesitant, you know, especially when it's their team and they're passionate about it. But even the people that were like, not on that were like, ah, oh, well, just won't be able to pass, throw the ball downfield. So, but we'll be able to run it. Everybody thought that the, the coaching staff thought they would be able to run it. I mean, it, it, and honestly, the keys to the season have not changed. South Carolina is going to have to find a way to run the football or they're not going, they may not win three games. I would think they would, but one touchdown. I mean, you know, you're talking about averaging against F, and, and there's no FCS teams on the schedule. Yeah, you continue to average one touchdown a game against FBS competition. You know, shoot, you know, Troy can score 10, 13 on you. Vanderbilt can score fourteen on you. I mean, you, you, this has to change. This has to change. You know, and 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 the sad part is, is it, it, it just drives me. It drives me crazy. Uh, whenever there's a coaching change, there's a new philosophy. People talk about rebuilding, and you're right. South Carolina six and sixteen the last two years. That's a that's a rebuild. But you look at the personnel, and you and you're, you're like, well, you know, they're they're kind of geared to run the football. They've got a big veteran offensive line. They've got Kevin Harris coming back. You got Lloyd, and then you got White and McDowell who are good. You got a lot of tight end talent. You know, they, they probably need to play a lot like Iowa state did last year and play defense, run the ball, hit your tight end selectively, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I think, I think, you know, and, and I look at it and it, it's just a dumpster fire. And, and so it, 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 it sort of is one of those things where, yeah, okay. You're laying a foundation. You're trying to build towards something great. You're going to, um, you know, you, you're probably going to be, you, your idea is you're going to be better in three years than you are right now. There is a reason there was a coaching change. There's all those reasons, right? But you still need to maximize your team. <laughs> you know, it, it, it still makes no sense to not be able to run the football right now. None. None. At least better than you are. 58 rushing. South Carolina rushed for 209. Now, no, scratch that. 
I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm going to back up here and say, I'm like, because I said I wasn't going to mention last year's Kentucky game again. South Carolina rushed for 247 yards against this team last time they came to Columbia. You know, with Feaster and Dowdle and Moda, Mon Denson, who are all good backs. But these guys that they've got now are good too. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. You know, my heart goes out to the running backs. They have no room to run. And that's got to change. Now, like I said earlier, I wish they'd spread it out. But uh, if they don't and they get these guys to block and they're moving people up front, bunch do all the bunch formations you want. But you got to clear some clear some space. I mean, that's just awful. Then that then you're depending on Luke Doty and a, a bunch of guys that have issues dropping the ball to to for your whole offense. You know, can't do that, guys. Can't do that. By the way, running Luke Doty too, I think is good every now and then. Uh, he's not. He's not. He, he's a step slow as far as that goes. Now I think. The poor guy's running for his life, and he gets out of the pocket pretty well, and is moving around. And that that, but once he takes off, there's that lack of an extra gear that he maybe has shown before. You know, so that's probably the foot. But uh, anyway, there we go. Tristan again. Well, JC, I know where everyone's going to be saying O line and play calling. I'm going to have to agree. I thought the O line played better today. Play calling still isn't working. It's very tough to swallow. I can't see the route concepts on TV, but we got to do a better job, job of getting open. We got to hang on the football critical downs. The short passes don't work for us because we effectively can't catch. Maybe we need to focus more on the intermediate passes since we had some success there with guys sitting in between zones. Doty is making good decisions and taking care of the ball. I, he is taking care of the ball. Um, he's missed some guys. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we've missed some guys. O-line isn't making much room up the middle for the run game. We've waited too long to get Doty involved in the run. I've been preaching read option all season. I think it would open up things more. I'll say this. Yeah, I mean, most of those zone read, zone option plays are run out of the spread, too. You know, I mean, it's designed to spread defenses out. Then you got more holes to run through. Um, I know it's still early. I'm not one to call for a coach's head. I'm an aspiring coach myself, but Beamer's going to have to make a tough call on Sat this offseason if he doesn't figure things out because this is inexcusable with the players we have. Good luck dealing with all us stressed-out Carolina fans this week. Have a safe trip back. And then he does the Spurs up emoji. Thanks, Tristan. Um, Yeah, and look, I, I don't – I'm not saying that South Carolina – on offense needs to get, be averaging 45 points a game and 500 yards. But this is not, this is not even decent. All right. Again, one touchdown in every game against FBS opponents. You get that against Georgia. That's fine. You know, that's, you can understand that. Uh, I think Kentucky, you know, no, Kentucky was not that good on defense coming in. Kentucky got, you know, run through, around, and over by Chattanooga, okay? When they play Florida this weekend, I'd be surprised. Uh, you know, you don't get the same team week to week. I'd be surprised if they're able to bottle up the Gators like they did the Gamecocks. Probably not even close. I think Kentucky's probably going to have to try to score and complete deep balls against Todd Grantham's defense to win that game. But, you know, like as I always said, the transitive property doesn't work. But, yeah, they've they, they, they got to get better, man. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And there's no reason not to. All right. USC 120 says, love the podcast. Beamer was my first choice, and I was very happy with the hire. But to keep the fan base solidly behind him 
despite how the season went, all he had to do was hire an OC the fans could get behind, an accomplished FBS OC or an up-and-comer from FCS. But he says he hires a friend with a mediocre prior track record who no one wanted to hire as OC since his days at Temple. It's mind-boggling to me. He could have savaged his entire tenure here with this hire just like Muschamp did with Roper. Do you agree? All right. I, I don't know why the, the there's this Roper thing. Um, Muschamp fired Roper as soon as it was obvious he needed to. Um, probably could have fired him midway through 2017, to be honest, but that was a year Carolina was winning and won nine games. I, I think everything kind of came to a head, actually, during a win against Florida. You remember the interceptions early and the grumbling about the defense and all that, but look, uh, that that was the deal. I don't think Muschamp sabotaged himself with Kurt Roper. I, I think when he went to replace Roper, I think that should job should have gone to Bobby Bentley or she he should have hired Eli Drinkwitz because because Eli Drinkwitz was probably taking the job and you know he could have helped Bentley Jake Bentley you know and his dad certainly could help Jake Bentley and uh, instead they went with McClendon and McClendon had some great moments on offense and then there were some terrible ones. Um. And then once Bentley got hurt in 2019, you know, you're dealing with Holinsky, who couldn't really run the things that, that made them successful. It was just a grab bag of plays. This seems so far like Roper plus McClendon, like grab bag of plays versus run, 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 run up the middle. And even when it's not working. And, and I agree sometimes with being stubborn in the run game because eventually you wear the other teams down. But right now, they're not going far at all, ever. Okay? Uh, and, and I know they ran it against East Carolina. They discovered the outside zone, Juju McDowell, all that. And that was great. But right now, they're just not going very far. <laughs> and you have to figure out a way to do it and uh, and all that good stuff. So, I, I you know, I thought Will Muschamp, the Kurt Roper hire – when you it's kind of like Satterfield when you heard the plan. I don't know, maybe it's guys that have spent time in the NFL, they come back to college and think, wow, you know, let's run all this stuff we run in the pros, and it doesn't doesn't always work because it's different, it's a different ball game up there. You know, you're not in the pros, you know, you're you're just trying to exploit good on good matchups all the time. And, you know, it really comes down to how good your players are and anybody can beat anybody on a given day, that kind of thing. College you have different levels of talent you play against um, and all that good stuff. And you sometimes need an equalizer, you know, out of there, try to scheme guys open, that kind of thing. And you can do that with play calling. But, uh, you know, so far, not – I mean, in like, look, in fairness to Marcus Satterfield, you know, when you have that many guys around the line of scrimmage and people just running free – you don't know what kind of good or bad play calls those are. I I think maybe the formations could be the the the, the key here. Not act not the actual plays, but you know, there's like I said, there's too many dang people around the line of scrimmage. So that's that. Um I don't agree with this whole sabotaging his career. That I mean it's wait, Shane Beamer's four games into his career. I mean, just sort of just wait and see. You know, I mean, Shane is not 
you know, you can't even let, let's say the bottom falls out. It never gets better this year. It's another bad year. You know, you can't sit there and say, I chain fire him or whatever. I mean, that's not fair at all. Um, and I, I think it's unfair to sit there and, you know, hold a hire over his head and all that good stuff. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, there are issues and they need to be corrected. But I, I don't think it's like time to talk about people sabotaging their career. Thanks, USC 120. I appreciate it. James says, enjoy the podcast, even though we disagree on Beamer and Satterfield. You validated my point about Beamer referencing Pittman's success. Bryles and Odom are Grand Slam coordinator hires. And that's what I said about Shane from the jump. He better get disruptive coordinators, and it's not Satterfield. I yeah, I can't disagree that Kendall Bryles is a heck of an OC. I mean, that's uh that's the that's a good deal there. Um, can you explain the running mat snaps and substitution patterns? No. We go from white is the new Swiss Army knife to now barely seeing him. Agreed. Juju appears and disappears. Agreed. I have no idea for their plan for Lloyd. No, nah, I don't either. Makes some sense of this schizophrenic mess through four games. I think they're trying to get Kevin Harris going. Uh, I, I, but then you have McDowell, who's been actually productive. You have White, who's been productive. I, I, I don't know. You know, I what I would do is say this. Again, spread everybody out. Okay. McDowell can motion into the slot. White can be in the slot. We've seen it. We saw it against Eastern Illinois. Those two both lined up in the slot. And then you have your two backs in Lloyd and Harris. Okay. And you tr- and then you have other ways to get McDowell and White the football. Um, maybe sounds simpler than it is. But I would strongly prefer that they do that. Between that and getting guys like Bell and Jenkins and Muse involved in the offense, you know, that, that's been, besides not being able to run it, one of the most disappointing things for me. I, and I've said this, I said it on the Big Spur, I'll say it here. Marshawn Lloyd, one carry for three yards Saturday. <sighs> yeah, that's, that, you know, when Kevin Harris is going nowhere. All right, and Juju McDowell went somewhere once, and then that's it. Marshawn Lloyd, when you watch him, he's been a guy that's made people miss and wiggled through for yards. If he had any room at all, I think he carries it better. Now, 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 maybe he's not practicing well. I don't know. Maybe he fumbled it in practice. I don't know. And then that gets into personnel decisions, coaching, week of practice, that type of thing. But, no, I, I can't explain the running back rotation. I, You know, like if it were me, I'd probably have Lloyd and Harris split carries right now. We'd throw Juju in as a change of pace with some outside zone run screen. I would put White in the slot some. I'd put Pat McDowell in the slot some. My two back, I may even have Harris and Lloyd on the field at the same time in the backfield. I mean, I don't know, you got the SEC's leading returning rusher. And you've got a guy that was a five-star back who runs. If you, if he hasn't broken one this year, but if you watch him run, you know, and he was geeked up the first game. He he had Green in front of him and uh, Green Grass, and was about to juke the Eastern Illinois corner, and he fell. You know, I mean, I, I get that. That's not him not being good. That's him being geeked out for his first game. But went from fourteen carries to seven to five to one. 
And I'm like, that's not how you get that guy going. And, you know, Harris missed the whole offseason. Uh, and he does need to get going as well. But, again, those two don't have room to run. Um, so, I think Lloyd, you know, is one of the underutilized guys. You know, they, they got to find a way to run the ball. Why are you, like, not running him? So, and I know it's hard to go with four. You can't do it like the NFL preseason game. But what you do, and I, gosh, I, it's kind of funny I keep mentioning the Holtz, the Skip Holtz thing 21 years ago, is, you know, what they do with Ryan Brewer. Well, Ryan Brewer wasn't the starting running back. You had Pinnock and Watson, but you put him in the slot. You know, say, I think Corey Alexander came to Carolina as a running back as well. You know, Savelle Newton. Look how Spurrier used him. I mean, you know, these guys are great athletes. They can do it. They can do it. So thanks, James. A little less contentious email from you today. I appreciate it. I was actually expecting a uh, a vile email from you. Dustin says, I've seen a lot of entitled childish reactions to losses before, but this one might have taken the cake. Who do we think we are? These guys have had our number for a decade. Our first-year head coach just put up more of a fight. And his first shot at Stoops that Muschamp did in 80% of his meetings. Obviously, there were some coaching mistakes. The offense is still frustrating as hell to watch. And as always, it sucks losing, especially to Kentucky. But I saw a lot to build on. The defense played their butts off. On Detroit, thanks for all you do. JC, your pal Justin. Thanks, Justin. Uh, really think a lot of Justin. Good guy. Uh, Dustin. Justin. Lord. Here's a friend of mine emailing in. And I call him by the wrong name. It's been – that, that uh, maybe the thin air up in the air yesterday on the flights got me. But, um, I'm, you know, I'm not – I'm not the, – the overall game was one where you looked at, you know, Carolina had its chances and it slipped away. And, and that's been – that's been a story against Kentucky for a while. And But they did put up a fight, and defensively especially, you know, I thought South Carolina did a good job forcing turnovers, that kind of thing. They did give up 230 rushing yards. You can't give up – you can't leave, let these guys run the ball on you. But if you do, you need to make sure you're running the ball yourself. <laughs> you need to make sure you're getting rushing yards too. You know, and 230 to 58, that's the stat of the game to me. I mean, that's tough. Uh, and I would just say, as far as people being childish, unfortunately, we are in a point now with Carolina football to where, you know, those great seasons are in the rearview mirror quite a bit. 2013 was the last great season. So, yeah, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. That's a long time. And the losses have piled up. And the poor performances on offense have piled up. And the poor performances on defense at times have piled up. So people are just sick to death of losing games like that. And, and there was a time Carolina took 13. Of four. It, was, it would be unheard of for South Carolina to lose at home to Kentucky at Williams-Brice Stadium. Heck, even Brad Scott, you know, had uh, – I know he had the one loss to Kentucky, but one year when they were pretty good under how Mommy, they won 38-24. I think that was 97. You know, I mean, it, it hadn't been like – UK dominated them before the streak, 13 to 14, or or after, or, but after, you know, there's been a lot of frustrating losses. Stoops has their number for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, I do think the defense played well. You know, Parker White, again, was uh, clutch, 54-yarder. 
uh, you know, that's his long. When they lined up to do that, I was like, oh, goodness gracious. Parker White hadn't really been all that successful, but he's always had the leg, and so good for him. But, yeah, I understand some of the reaction, Dustin. Some of it is ridiculously childish. And, you know, like on the message board, we have a few guys that, you know, they criticize everything. And so then they come out in full force, you know, whenever something bad happens, then other people get upset and all that good stuff. Evan says he lives in Anderson, works in Oconee County, surrounded by Clemson fans. Would love to see Beamer turn this around and for Dabo to bring back Clemsoning. Yeah, Clemson's Clemson a couple of times this year. Well, one time, NC State, almost against Georgia Tech. Then uh, I look at it and I see Georgia Tech beat North Carolina 45-22. Well, North Carolina's been a disappointment so far this season. So, who knows? I know it's probably too early to start questioning the Satterfield air hire, but after the Kentucky game, I'm questioning his play calling and offensive scheme. He got Juju some touches early. And had success, but then went away from Juju and tried to get Harris going. Yeah, and I don't want to hear how hard it is either. It's hard to get these guys touches. What are you worried about? Win the game. You know, and and I know, look, I'm not going to overreact to things people say, to coaches say to the media. Like, people overreacted to Beamer, said, oh, well, this play was close. No, I'm never going to do that. But I, I do think there is a better way to define roles and this is not the NFL, this is college and versatile players uh, can make good things happen for your team. And you got Kurt, you just spent a year with the Panthers. You had Curtis Samuel, you know, you use, use some of these guys like him. I remember Curtis Samuel, Brooklyn, New York recruit. One of the, one of the, one of the better players that I evaluated out of the New York city area uh, during my time. I became optimistic during that touchdown drive that Sapp was starting to figure it out and finally realized that we had way more success passing the ball against Kentucky than running the ball. Then we come back around the next series and run the ball. I'd like to see more quick game slants, quick outs, establish the passing game to open the run. And, and yeah, and I think, I think that too, along with, you know, all right, noon kickoff for the Tennessee game in Knoxville in two weeks, um, which is probably good for the game, Cox. Uh, you know, yeah, a quick game, um, that kind of thing, spread it, you know, spread the field, throw quick passes, you know, as long as they can complete them, you know, I think that would be fine. My question is, do you think this sad is too set on getting the running game going? And do you think there'll be a change of philosophy for the offense going to the Troy game? I would love to see Beamer, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Evan, um, I, I hope so. I know it's Troy. Uh, and Troy's had trouble scoring, and I don't think they're going to light up the scoreboard Saturday at williams Bryce. But it's time to, to – you know, you can't sit here and say, well, we're going to surprise Tennessee with this new thing or whatever. I, I, I don't I – don't, I think you got to get this offense some confidence and get it in rhythm. At the same time, you know, let's say all of a sudden you're able to push Troy's offensive line around, you rush up 200 yards, all that, and you don't fix the issues – you know, you're not going to be successful with the rest of the season, you know, if you don't fix this and fix it right now. Um, and like I said, maybe the spread, quick game, all that, all those are good ideas. Maybe that's not the answer, but I'd try something. I'd try something. All right. 
Nathan says, had to give you a chance to holler as we were walking to the game. You did holler at me. Okay, good. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> didn't want to take the time away from your family to introduce myself. Different take here. I'm not mad about the comp. Kentucky loss. Disappointed by the offense's performance. Proud of the defense for keeping us at the game. And had a chance to win. I don't think we're as far off as everyone seems to think we are. Kentucky is the media darling aside from Georgia in the East. We're right there. We should have won the game. Receivers just have to catch the ball. Thank you. Yeah, and I think Carolina's got to get the run game going. I mean, that's going to make things so much better for the passing offense, in my opinion, because then you can throw it when you want to. You don't have to throw it, uh, you know, to set up the run. And maybe that's what you do. You pass to set up the run. You get little quick passes, whatever. They back off you. Then you're able to run the ball, get some big plays. I mean, you got four guys that can house it at running back. House. Like, in other words, you know, I know there was a holding play on the on the, on the the run, but Kevin Harris had a 90-yard touchdown run against Auburn last year. You know, I mean, it was called back. But, look, I mean, you, you, you – you got to figure out how to run it. Um, and I do agree the defense kept them in the game. They played their butts off for some turnovers. Uh, that was a key. You know, they gave up too many rushing yards and, and drives in key situations, but it's hard to find fault. And, and, again, if somebody asked me for my grades, I'd say defense has been a B plus. Let's say B plus or B. I think B plus, B minus, B. I don't know. B. It was in the Bs. And then, you know, offense would be a solid D right now. But thanks. And, and, and you know, people, people, it's disappointing and sad. I don't be, I don't, I don't think upset is, people shouldn't be upset. Tim says, I got a personal question. Okay. All right, Tim. I will, uh, I will answer that off air. Philip says, JPC, it's been a little while since I wrote in. Just want to say first, you have the best big game podcast out there. Appreciate the work that goes into this and Big Spur. I've kept my criticism on the offense the last couple of weeks to myself, but after watching Saturday's game, I'm officially questioning Marcus Satterfield's ability to be an OC. The last three games, we're averaging 250 yards of offense and 14 points a game. I realize the level of competition we have went against, but if you compare Vanderbilt's last three games, which includes Georgia, they're averaging 15.6, 273 yards. We're last in the SEC in offensive production. It seems inexcusable. I agree. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I'm sure your mailbox is full of questions regarding the offense. The stats are just astonishing. It's almost the same offense last year that produced the SEC's leading rusher. Yeah, with more guys you can throw it to, in my opinion. Well, more guys. You have more options. More backs, too. Uh, last year it was Finn. He came in and would give Harris some a breather, you know. I have 100% confidence in Beamer, but something has to be done. Someone has to be accountable. Thank you for all you do. Go Gamecocks. And I think, uh, you know, I think Mark Satterfield will be held accountable. Uh, it's just people that want to change in midstream, man, that's probably not going to happen. I don't know, though. I mean, I don't know. This is Shane's first go around as a head coach. I don't really know what his he, – he seems like the type of guy. And I'm saying this because his dad – was like a model of consistency. You know, he Frank Beamer wasn't a guy that would go out and fire coaches at all. Um, and, you know, he built a really good thing. And, and then the one time he did make an offensive coordinator change, you know, he hired Scott Loeffler, which 
you know, was met with mixed results in Blacksburg. But uh, it, it took a lot for that to happen. Now, Frank Beamer is not Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer is not Frank Beamer. And, you know, Shane Beamer worked for a coach in Steve Spurrier that was willing to make a change. Uh, he worked for a coach in Lincoln, you know, midseason. He worked for a coach in Lincoln Riley, which – he made a change at D coordinator midseason. He fired uh, Mike Stoops um, and brought back Ruffin McNeil. That was a bad deal. So, you know, we know Kirby Smart's not afraid of making changes. And so he's worked for some guys other than his dad that uh, have, you know, made changes mid-year. So I'm not, so I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to speak for Shane Beamer as far as what he wants to do with his coaching staff. Right. Um, my inclination is though, people that want a change mid season, you know, it's probably not going to happen, but you know, they're going to have, but, but within the scope of what they're doing now, they need to change. You know, they need to change up the philosophy. Uh, and I was talking about the big spur today. Like I said, you know, when I say spread it out, that's not a radical thing. I mean, that, that should actually be in the playbook because, you know, if it's Joe, the Joe Brady influences there, you remember he LSU spread it all over the field, you know, and I'm not saying Carolina needs to go out and do that because I don't think they have the receivers to do it, you know, bomb it all. And they don't have Joe Burrow back there. Who's in a senior zone. You know, you have a kind of a freshman in Luke Doty, but what I would spread it out to do, not necessarily to be to bomb all over the field, like Joe Brady, I would spread it to run it which is a philosophy that a lot of teams have used. I mean, Oklahoma spreads it and runs it. You know, run the ball. Got to run the ball. One more time. Tom says, first time sent an email, I've heard in your past describing programs in the abyss. It appears to me we're quickly finding our way into that situation. Thoughts? Way too early, Thomas. The abyss. I'd say South Carolina is definitely in the wilderness. I'd say South Carolina – uh, like I said, those winning seasons, great years are getting further in the rearview mirror as we go on. Uh, I think right now they're two and two. Uh, I think if they were sitting at one and three with these kind of offensive results, there's there's some alarms. But the abyss is like it's it's the, the wilderness is kind of like where Carolina is now, like where they're struggling. And, and look, these are my terms. Okay, this, this is this is what I think. So don't uh, you don't necessarily have to agree, but the abyss would be like Vanderbilt right now. I mean, those guys lost every SEC game, two years running, I guess it was. They, you know, they're where winning is like a rare thing, right? Uh, the abyss is winning is a rare, rare rarity, right? The wilderness is sort of where Carolina is now. You know, issues to fix. Some good things, a lot of some bad things, some surprisingly bad things. But two and two, six-point loss to Kentucky, you know, competed hard at Georgia, found a way to win at East Carolina, and then there was the opener. You know, that if you look at the totality of it, yes, Carolina has to fix the offense. It's going to be a bad year, right? But, you know, other than that, I'm not saying – I'm not seeing what the deal is, uh, you know, as far as being in the abyss or not. Um, all right. Ah, 
A mention of Gamecock musician. Ha ha ha. Funny. All right. Phil says. All right. I'm sorry. My bad. Lost concentration. Of course, Gamecock musician said I, I mumble and ramble and go from things to things. But anyway, oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't prepare. No, you always go. I, I went from Twitter. I went to, from the inbox to Twitter. I help consulting mailbag rolls on. And this is from the twi- Twitter account. And it's at the Big Spur Pod. We'd love for you to follow it. Uh, I don't envy your job. I feel bad, in fact. But don't you dare say it's the fans' fault for not getting recruits after that abomination of performance. Never said it was the fans' fault for not getting recruits. You misunderstood me, Phil. I said, uh, I said, uh, the only way it's a negative experience for the recruits, Phil, is if the fans don't show up. Well, they did because it was about atmosphere. And every recruit we've talked to had very, very positive things to say. Recruits don't sit there and watch and evaluate the team. And, you know, one game they go down and they're like, oh, my God, recruits aren't sitting there saying fire this guy, fire that guy. Recruits aren't saying what a bad offense. They're not going to win another game. That's just – and that's fine. That's what fans should be doing. Uh, Recruits are trying to evaluate a life decision. And a lot more goes into it than losing to Kentucky at home. Um, with that said, I did say that hey, the only way that recruits don't uh, don't have a good time would be if the fans don't show up. And they showed up in droves. The place was loud, Gamecock walk, everything. So I don't know where you get off saying that I was blaming the fans for not getting recruit. I think you just didn't understand what I was saying. Uh, but I wasn't. I was saying that if the atmosphere is not good, like let's say – because of the mass thing, 10,000 fans didn't show up Saturday night. And it was a kind of a so-so crowd for a big game at night against an SEC opponent that they needed to win. Then, yeah, you're like, well, you know, who cares if they won or lost? You know, this stadium's half full. Meanwhile, I'm going to Auburn next week or wherever, and it's going to be packed and, and off the chain. So, you know, that's all I was saying, and that was pregame. Fans showed up and did their job. There's no question. Um. And then Phil goes, oh, I hate when people say, why would any big-time recruit come here? Only got – Marshawn Lloyd only got one carry. Well, you know, that's ridiculous. I mean, why would any time big-time recruit come here? Hey, yeah, come on. Game guys have signed plenty of big-time recruits. Happy to uh, say that Andy Reid's out of the hospital. Just noticed that on Twitter. Gamecock fan 3 says – I'm upset that we lost, but our defense actually looks pretty good. Foster is excelling, and Jabari Ellis has impressed me a lot. Yeah, Jabari's played pretty well. I I didn't know if that would hold on the inside with Tonka and, and Boogie Huntley behind him. But uh, he's played really well, played, played really good ball. And so is Jalen Foster. I mean, that's, uh, you know, 12 tackles. He's leading, I think, the SEC in interceptions. Got another one the other night. Not bad for a walk-on kid. Um. Got to find a way to run the ball. Lloyd can't have one carry. How do we do it? Don't know. Don't know. Um, hey, good says, why can we not move the ball? Why not? All right. Jackhead says, okay, at the Big Spur Pod, why us? Why can we never move the ball? Why, JC? Why us? I don't know, buddy. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, Josh says, 
JC, we flipped from the receivers being a liability to the rest of the offense being a liability. The receivers have impressed me so far. Help me understand why the rest of the offense has regressed so much. Is the O-line hindering our offense that much? I think the entire thing is hindering the offense. So how does that sound? It, it's, it's everything, uh, not just on the line. The line has serious issues. There's not a lot of room to run. You could talk about the formations, the play calling. Uh, there's a lot of blame to go around. And I, I think the receivers have been a little better than expected, but you know, some of them continue to drop passes. That doesn't help. You know, that, that doesn't help at all, especially when you're a struggling situation like that. But, you know, guys, sometimes a loss facilitates change, whether, you know, let's say Doty had thrown a late touchdown pass and the game guys had come back and won the game. You know, maybe everybody thinks it's hunky dory. And then maybe you're setting yourself up for an embarrassing loss to Troy or, or losing to Tennessee or whatever. I think losses sometimes can work positively in your favor if they're early in the season and all that good stuff. And then Riddle says he's a big time flute player. That's awesome. <laughs> Friend of mine fast forwarded it through that part uh, of the podcast the other day. All right. We have had a long podcast, folks. Thank you for all the mailbag questions and the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Thanks to Heritage Digital for the sponsorship. We're going to roll right along this week toward the Troy game. JB and Goldwater on Wednesday is going to be awesome. And I uh, can't wait to talk to all you guys then and also on the thebigspur.com. Uh, JC Sherbert signing off. <laughs>